Welcome to episode 53 of the Shannon Plan episode, Jonas Griffith, for you loyal listeners out there. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, what up, man? How you doing? Treya, what's up, KP? Yeah. How, what did you What did you think of that Greg Papa call, by the way? Because a lot of people were indifferent on it. They had They had some wise opinions. After the second time, I was over it. And then by the 15th time, it felt forced and I was disgusted and I put my TV on mute. Um, how did you feel about it? The first time was cool, right? It was for the touchdown and then it yeah. just kind of got old. And so we're not even out of the first week of preseason and Greg Papa's area calls already worn out. But if you get a chance, go listen to the Spanish uh, broadcast version of the touchdown call way better than Greg Papa's call. Oh, yeah. Oh, just some energy there that it makes it sound way better. Lance, jugada de play action. Tiene todo el tiempo del mundo. Lanza un pase por el centro. Y está encontrando a Trent Sherfield. Y Trent Sherfield tiene bastante espacio. Adiós a todo mundo. Touchdown. 49ers. Bombazo de Trey Lance a Trent Sherfield. Y los 49ers acortan la distancia. They are going to need some new material, that's for sure. But I don't think Trey Area is going anywhere because, I mean, if you just go on Instagram, Twitter, that's all you see is Trey Area. So um, they're just feeding off that. So uh, the 49ers had their first preseason game. They lost season over. No more undefeated streak. Um, it was it was fun. I mean, we'll take it for what it was. It was the first preseason game. A lot of starters sat 16 to be specific and 22 total players in general. So um it was going to be a mixed bag as far as evaluations go, but let's talk about the quarterbacks. So Jimmy Garoppolo, three for three, got a series, didn't, you know, just didn't really play much. So there's not really much to talk about. Um, he he did have a promising drive. It looked like they were going to score up until uh, Charlie Warner had the offensive pass interference, which he didn't have to do, by the way. Ayuk was already going to be open and going to get the first down, but uh, that's what happens. Those pick plays are usually all about timing, so. You have to imagine if 85 was out there, that wouldn't have been an issue. But Or 82. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But it was cool to see Charlie Warner, I mean, just speaking of, because he had a nice little reception. But, I mean, the big, the main takeaway and what everybody wanted to see, who everybody wanted to see was Trey Lance, number three overall pick. Um, I mean, it didn't take long for him to impress. And he kind of came back to earth. But I think we saw a lot of very, very good things. So uh, before we get into Trey Lance, did you have any takeaways on Jimmy Garoppolo. Exactly what we expected from Garoppolo. Uh, just that one series came in. He was perfect, right? Three for three. Um, hit Ayuk on a good ball. I, nothing nothing that Jimmy Garoppolo does in the preseason is going to move the needle for you or I, right? He has to prove it in the regular season. He has to stay healthy, be efficient, run this offense like he did in 2019. And, you know, th- not, there was nothing to be taken away from his play uh, on Saturday. So John Lynch joined Tim Kawakami, and I don't know if, you know, this is really saying anything, but it seems like the needle is starting to move just a little bit, and this could just be John Lynch. So he said, Jimmy's done a good job, and there's a good likelihood that he lines up week one as our guy. That's kind of the plan right now. Obviously, things can change, but that's where we're at. I think we're, we're seeing a better version of Jimmy right now. So like the coded language in there is unreal and is like peak John Lynch because essentially every sentence had a but, but qualifier. So uh, do you think, and we'll get into Lance's performance, but did we see enough from him to justify 
maybe having more reps with the first team, maybe being the starter eventually. What do you think about that? Yeah, just to add on to your John Lynch comment, he was on KNBR earlier in the day, I believe. And he also said, you know, Jimmy's the starter right now, but Trey's pushing him. So there's the dynamic from when, you know, training camp began and the 49ers regime was very set in their ways that Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter, Trey Lance is the number two quarterback, and we'll go from there. And now their tune has, you know, started to slightly change after all these practices, you know, the first preseason game. But to answer your question, I don't know if Trey Lance is quite proven enough to start week one right out the gates just yet. Maybe in the next two weeks he shows more flashes, but he played, you know, just as I thought he would, where he would show flashes of why the 49ers spent three first round picks, traded up all the way to three and took him. Uh, Just that talent, the arm, the mobility, even though all of his throws were from the pocket. But I think there was a play where he extended and then he hit Ayuk, but Ayuk just dropped the ball. But And then he also showed flashes of inexperience, right? I think that was his first game in over 300 days. So he hasn't played meaningful football in a long time. And so you have to iron out those kinks as well, just as A, as a rookie, and B, as a rookie who also hasn't played in a long time and is playing superior competition uh, to what he did at the collegiate level. So there's a balance of both. I think 49ers fans, coaching staff, et cetera, should be happy with what they saw on Saturday against the Chiefs in in Trey's performance. But I don't know if it's quite validated that, hey, he should be the, you know, for sure starter week one. But we still have a couple more weeks and things can change. Yeah, I think what we saw was a guy who has a high potential, a guy who you can see it, but it just needs to be consistent. So let's talk about his performance and his second attempt. So first of all, if you were just a box score scout, you'd be like, whoa. uh, Or a PFF scout. Yeah, there we go. Um, I didn't even – so what was his PFF grade for the game? It was like sub 50. So of the five Ooh. rookie quarterbacks in the weekend, I think Zach Wilson had the highest grade and Justin Fields, uh, then Mac Jones, then Trevor Lawrence. And a distant fifth was Trey Lance. I think his PFF grade was like 48 or 49, his passing grade. Maybe the 49ers should just trade Trey Lance if, uh, if that's the grade. Hot take. So five for 14, 128 yards, nine yards per attempt, four sacks, obviously through the, the long touchdown uh, to Trent Sherfield. That was a such an exciting play because, you know, we got to see him uncork it. we got to see him heave the ball down the field to a receiver who's probably going to be running that route during the regular season in Trent Sherfield. Um, if you had never seen Trey Lance, well, most people haven't seen Trey Lance throw the ball in, in the NFL. So uh, that was really their first exposure. So the wow effect just with that play right there was exactly what everybody wanted to see. So from there – no matter what he did the rest of the game, it was going to be like, oh, it's cool because he threw a long touchdown and essentially that's what happened. So he started four for seven and three of those incompletions were dropped. So he was hot. He was coming out firing. He was throwing the ball to the far hash. Things we've never seen. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and these are the plays and that was more exciting. And I think that was more transferable for me because Kyle Shanahan's offense is a timing offense. He wants to get the ball out on time, and he his offense is predicated on the quick game. So one, two, three, throw. And we're seeing the one to Richie James. And even um, when he had to create, you talked about the drop by you. So there was a play, and it's tough to see from the broadcast view, but yeah. he had uh, Sherfield open on the curl. And he was looking there. Does he need to throw the ball there? Probably. But he did a good job of you know, being patient, keeping his eyes down the field. And he found Ayuk. 
uh, rolled out a little bit. I just dropped it. And that's not, that's not anything you're going to put on Lance. Craycraft had another drop. But after that, um, he went from going four for seven and finished one for seven. But that has to come with a caveat as well. So the more that Lance played, the worse the offensive line got. And it got to a point where like, he can't even get to the top of his drop without getting hit. So how do you really judge his performance knowing he's running for his life <laughs> every other drop back? So there were two sacks where, again, there's a guy in his face. There was another throw where there's a guy in his face. That's not going to happen when you have Trent Williams on the field, when you have Alex Mack on the field, just because Mack especially is a guy who just doesn't let anything get by him. He understands the stunts. He understands just the different games that defensive line is going to play. And I think that's going to make Daniel Brunskill a lot better. And it obviously has during training camp. We didn't have an opportunity to see that, but I think that won't be an issue moving forward. But um, Brunskill did take a lot of heat and as did Aaron Banks. But as for Lance goes, I mean, I what I really liked the most was just his willingness to know where to go with the football. Uh, he did not panic. So knowing that he's going to get hit, you never really saw him drop his head. He didn't really uh, look to take off and run. When he was scrambling, when he was buying time, he was looking to throw. And I think that is very important um, because you want to see a guy play from the pocket. So he had a lot of positives outside of five for 14. And honestly, this sounds like an excuse, but I'm chalking a few of those incompletions just to him being jacked up, man. It was the first game in front of fans since the 2019 national championship game for him. So naturally, he's going to have a ton of adrenaline in his first NFL start. And that was the case for a lot of these rookies. And, of course, he missed high. He'd like to have some throws yeah. back. He could have easily had two interceptions. And we do have to talk about that because he's probably not used to seeing the things that the Chiefs showed him. Um, going out on a limb here and saying Northern Illinois is not going to play the same type of defense as the Chiefs did. So with that said, it's great to see him go through little adversity um what were some of the things that you that you really like for i guess how about this one thing you like the most about lance and then one thing where you feel like that we're gonna have to keep an eye on because it's gonna be an overreaction either one way or the other and the truth is always in the middle so the one thing that i really liked was lance's ability to continue to keep his eyes down the field um it felt like with the quarterbacks on this roster last season they were always looking for the the short quick easy pass whereas lance at least in his limited time on Saturday, looked to extend plays to find maybe a deeper developing route. And you saw that with the Trent Sherfield touchdown um, where he comes on the boot and you had, I think he had Ayuk like right in front of him. Yeah. He stops and turns and throws uh, to Trent Sherfield in just a confident throw um, for what was it? His third attempt at the time, second attempt, second passing attempt at the time and ended up as a, a huge touchdown play, just a huge confidence boost. Um, so I think that gunslinging mentality combined with Kyle Shanahan's aggressive play calling, which we haven't seen maybe in the past few years, um, could be a dynamite combination. The one thing I would pay attention to, maybe put like a, a marker on or something to pay attention to is, is him missing high, right? It's something you've mentioned during practice. Uh, other beat writers, whatever, have also noted it. And we saw that on Saturday a little bit. Just when he misses passes, tends to miss high. And so I, I would continue to watch that. And you are right with a couple of interceptions. You know, if we're going to be fair and, and also criticize, uh, there were a couple of plays he should have been picked. You know, I think one hit like the defender right in the hands. One was tip is a harder play. But 
yeah, just you know, that just comes with experience, and that's why you and I both think that he should play sooner rather than later. Don't know when that is, but those are the type of you know things that you don't necessarily see in practice or on film or on the sideline when you're just holding a clipboard, right? You got to be able to play through those things and gain the experience and then learn uh, on the fly. So good and bad from Trey Lance. Um, but if you're if you're a fan, just the high ceiling uh, should excite you. So you brought up a good point because, I mean, I, I'm not sure how players get better when they're on the bench. I'm not sure how Lance is going to get better at reading coverages, at just learning the game speed of the NFL, or just everything, all the intricacies that come with playing quarterback, whether it's playing from the pocket, whether it's getting used to a rush, whether it's throwing these far hash throws, everything about it. Um, how does that happen from the bench, man? But to be fair, it's like Jimmy has to – it has to be a point where, you know, he, you want to take Jimmy off the field and everything that we're seeing from Kyle Shanahan, everything we've seen from the 49ers, like there hasn't been enough of that yet because in during training camp, and that's been consistent where uh, whenever it goes 11 on 11 at the beginning of practice, Trey's usually better. Whenever it's 11 on 11 and it's time to move the ball and they're doing their drive periods, Jimmy's better. So um, he's going to have to be able to get to the point where he's better than Jimmy in both phases. And I think this week is going to be really big for them because they're no longer going against uh, the same guys every day. And that goes for both, excuse me, um, that goes for both Trey and it goes for Jimmy where like Fred Warner, we just, we just talked about uh, Fred Warner has like 19 interceptions this training camp and they're all coming from uh, Jimmy G. They're mostly all the same thing. Well, tip pass was the case during Tuesday's practice. And somebody said, that they just took Fred Warner out of practice after the interception just so they can get things done. So uh, just that's how good of a player he is. But the Chargers, they haven't seen uh, the 49ers offense for two straight weeks. They have, or it's going on three straight weeks now. And the same for uh, Trey Lance. So um, I think we will – if we see growth, if we see, you know, it start to even out as quarterbacks, then maybe we'll see more first-team reps for Trey Lance. But he has to be – he has to play well – during these two joint practices, and then he has to play well during the second quarter, which is what I believe he'll get uh, on the game Sunday. I think it's going to go Jimmy the first quarter, and then it'll go Trey the second quarter, and I think Nate Subfield gets the last half. Maybe uh, Trey Lance gets another um, couple series into the third quarter, but uh, that that's probably how it's going to go. The bigger thing, I think, this week than the game it are the joint practices because that's when Kyle Shanahan and Brandon Staley – uh, can set up situations for both the Chargers and the 49ers that you can't necessarily replicate in a game, whether that's two-minute or a red zone, certain things, or, you know, because they control the practice environment. So yeah. you could put your players in whatever situation you want. And I think the big thing to watch for this week is how much time does Trey Lance get with the first-team offense? And we know that the skilled players rotate, but the big thing is the offensive line. How much time does he get? you know, behind Alex Mack and Trent Williams, who hasn't necessarily been practicing with an injury and, you know, the rest of the guys on that offensive line and not necessarily the second team offensive line, which has been getting whipped, I think all practice or throughout training camp. And we saw a little bit on Saturday of, of their struggles as well. So I think that's the big thing to watch for this week as they lead into the game on Sunday. All right, we are not out of the woods yet as far as quarterback talk goes because on Tuesday, the 49ers waived first-round pick legend Josh Rosen. 
the Rosen coaster has officially come to an end. So for those of you that have not seen Rosen outside of what we just saw Saturday night, it looked exactly what you saw on Saturday night. He just doesn't take care of the football, man. And whether that's bumbling a snap, whether that's throwing an errant pass, whether that's staring down a defender and throwing it right to their chest, that's what Rosen did during training camp consistently, and that's why he's not here. Um, I saw, I've seen some people say that you know they were never going to really uh, hold on to Rosen and they were giving him a tryout. That's not true because Rosen was asked after the game um, just about his lack of reps, and he pretty much said, uh, well, the reason that he's not performing is because of the lack of reps. And when you do that, uh, I mean, there's just eventually it has to come back to you. And there's just been no ownership at all in that in that case. And that goes back to um, his, his days with Arizona. And here, I'll get the full quote. So Josh Rosen, he was asked about what Shanahan said, because if you remember uh, the week before, he said, Shanahan said that Rosen got off to a hot start and then he kind of came back down to earth and just really hasn't been playing well. And here's what Rosen said, quote, I don't really get many reps in practice. So you just have to sort of whether the emotional roller coaster when one or two or out of your three throws and a live rep, a live team reps aren't good. So you definitely have to mentally work on keeping sort of the calm head, uh, end quote. Um, yeah. Blaming <laughs> blaming somebody else for you not getting reps is a you problem. Everybody. It's an immediate no-no. Um, yeah, so that was on Saturday, and he didn't last very long after that. I imagine that has more to do, I mean, obviously with the split as well, than giving him a tryout for another team. So – um, with Rosen gone, and we just talked about Sudfield, Shannon said the plan the entire time was to get Rosen this first game, get an extended look at him, and then Sudfield the next game. Uh, the Sacramento Bees' Chris Biederman said on Tuesday that on both Monday and Tuesday's practice, neither of Rosen or Sudfield received uh, any team reps during either practice. So that is good news for those of us, and by us I mean me, wanting the 49ers to only keep two quarterbacks because they have issues on some very key positions. So offensive line depth issue, cornerback issue, and then their entire D line is seemingly banged up or they're on ice and they're trying to keep them fresh. So when that is the case, I don't know why you'd keep either one. We'll see if Subfield, you know, Subfield's going to have a, have to have a really, really, really strong performance to make the team. And it might only be his last shot just come uh, Sunday against the Chargers. What do you think about the whole one or sorry, two to three quarterbacks? I never understood why, at least in 2019, Kyle Shanahan kept three quarterbacks on the roster. I understood last year from COVID perspective and, you know, you didn't want a Kendall Hinton situation, but this season when you have Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, you just roll with those two guys and, you know, um, use that extra roster spot at a position of need. Like you mentioned, offensive line needs the extra spot. Cornerbacks could use it. Uh, the safety position could use it with the injuries. Defensive line seems to have a lot of bodies. They could keep, you know, an extra guy around to keep that talent in the building. And it just makes no sense to give that to Nate Sudfeld. Worst case scenario, you wave Sudfeld, he clears waivers, and you just sign him back to your practice squad. You can elevate him on game day. Um, but it, it makes no sense uh, to keep him uh, or Rosen, even though Rosen's gone on the 53-man roster, just keep three quarterbacks. I would roll with two, use that position somewhere else. Just seems to be the smart thing to do, um, given where their team's at currently. 
Yeah. So like think about even the receivers. So they're going to keep six receivers. But if it comes down to like if Simba Webster plays like he did uh, on Saturday and he just has another big return, just keeps having these explosive plays, it's going to be tough to keep him off the roster. If all of a sudden the legend of Jalen Hurd gets healthy and plays like people think he's capable of, like you're not going to release him if he gets healthy. So uh, there are just roster battles all over the place where if you're, it's coming down to an extra position player who can help on special teams and offense or defense or a quarterback who has probably, what, a 2% chance at most of getting in the game. Like, what are we doing here? I told somebody on Twitter, like, somebody needs to show Kyle Shanahan just the over since his tenure, how many third-string quarterbacks have entered the game. I, I There's no shot that that number is over 5%. So um, I understand why you would be conservative in, in protecting your quarterbacks, but – if, if you're down to the, your third-string quarterback, odds are you're probably not in a position to win that game. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, you just got to use that position elsewhere, especially with where this team's at. You have Trey Lance as the back quarterback. Hopefully it turns into the starter. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, this we probably aren't having a conversation about Nate Sudfeld or Josh Rosen. The only issue is I think the $250,000 that is guaranteed, if you cut Sudfeld, you eat that money and it becomes dead cap, but – 250000 in the grand scheme of things probably isn't a huge deal. Yeah, Jed, Jed York can pay that. He's fine. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the injuries on the 49ers. All right, we are back, and let's talk about the star defender who has yet to participate in any of the team drills. That is Nick Bosa. Kyle Shannon said on Saturday that Bosa – or sorry, he said this on Monday. Bosa is going to participate starting in team drills after the joint practices and the preseason game, the second preseason game. So that means we'll see Bosa on Monday, and that means he will play in the final preseason game where the starters get a get a half in. So, um, And maybe there's no guarantee that he would play. If I were Shanahan, I would play him just so he gets game speed or just so he gets game reps, just so he gets his legs underneath him a little bit. He doesn't have to play every freaking play. But just play him on first and third down. Play him on a few plays of drive. But he, I think he does need to get game reps for conditioning purposes only. Um, the Athletics' Matt Barrows reported that Nick Bosa is vaccinated. And if you recall, Bosa was talking about – it was a couple weeks ago where he was just saying that he, he hasn't come to a decision yet on whether he wants to get vaccinated. I'm sure that the powers that be had a strong talk with him told him what would happen if you don't get vaccinated, how you could cost the team, all that good stuff. And suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, Bosa changed his tune. So uh, good for him. Peer pressure works. Yeah. Yes, it does. When the, re- when the rest of your team, I think there were three guys that weren't at, at the time, and when the rest of your team doesn't have to wear masks and they you know, they play by different rules and uh, don't have to quarantine or test get tested as often, it just it makes so much sense to just take care of it and not have to worry about it, especially when it's one of your team's best players. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer when you are the best player on the team, just based on this, the example that you're setting. Obviously, you know everybody's situation is different, and we've seen players around the league who are high-profile you know, speak out against the vaccination. But um, just in this instance, like, why wouldn't you for Nick Bosa? But uh, good to know that he is going to play soon. Good to know that he's vaccinated. So the odds of him missing you know, a game or just – coming in contact with somebody and having to miss games, uh, that is down the drain now. So, uh, Trent Williams, he is week to week, which not happy about that, uh, especially fresh off a big contract. Trent Williams, 
Uh, it was toward the end of Monday's practice where he's suffering from knee swelling is what Kyle Shannon said. I guess he got tangled up towards the end of practice. Knee swelling to me is a knee sprain, whether that's grade one or grade two. Uh, that's why it's week to week. So if it's grade one, we're probably looking at two weeks. If it's a grade two, we're probably looking at a month. Um, time will tell. But I don't think we're going to see Trent Williams in the joint practices. I highly doubt we see him Sunday against the Chargers. I don't know if we'll see him the following week for the pre the, the final against the Raiders uh, season game. Mm, and I I'm wondering out loud here with Trent Williams, does it really matter? Because I mean, when he does practice, he looks like Trent Williams. He just never gets beaten. Um, he looks like a stud. But I guess at the same time, you want to make sure that his conditioning is up to par. That way, you don't have to worry about you know another injury just because of his conditioning. So. Um, should we panic on Trent Williams? Because when you lose your left tackle, and I think you can talk about this for any position or any team, after quarterback, would you say that left tackle is probably the most important position just as far as who could affect your team the most if they were to go down? Offensively, yeah, I think it goes quarterback, left tackles, and defensively, it's pass rushers, right? Just look at the guys that get paid the most on every team. It's typically your quarterback, tackle, and you know, an edge rusher defensive end type guy. Those are the guys that end up making the most uh, yearly money. And Trent Williams, they just paid him this massive contract this off season. I remember we were talking about it when he had signed. The only thing that the 49ers needed was for Trent Williams to be on the field. Cause if he was on the field, he's a dominant player and we're a week and a half into preseason and he's down with what we think is a knee sprain, what Kyle Shanahan's calling knee swelling. Any knee type injury is always concerning, right? Because it's something that could linger. Uh, he plays a, you know, he plays in the trenches, and you end up with guys, you know, rolling around your legs, and that's something that you'd be concerned about, just lingering throughout the season, or something that could be reaggravated at some point. So it seems wise to just let him get healthy, uh, not necessarily play him during these joint practices, preseason, whatever, and when he's a hundred percent, or when he thinks he's hundred percent, let's roll about at that point yeah so we're about a month out from week one and week one regular season 13 greater signs week three preseason so that's what really matters as long as he's healthy and ready to roll against the lions and then the eagles and then for the rest of the regular season obviously so uh, not far behind edge rusher are highly paid cornerbacks and emmanuel mosley has so he spent the first 10 days of camp probably because um, the whole vaccination thing. There there are some players working through that, but he was on the reserve COVID list. And now after having a really strong start to training camp, um, he has suffered a hamstring strain. Mosley did not play. Um, This had to happen last week because I I don't know if he practiced Thursday, but he didn't didn't play in the game. He didn't play. And then he didn't practice on both Monday and Tuesday. So hamstring strain for Mosley. That means – Dante Johnson, you're up. And that is not what you want to hear if you are a fan of the 49ers. So, I mean, the drop-off just between Mosley and whether that's Johnson, who did work opposite of Jason Verrett with the first-team defense uh, in Mosley's absence, or Diamondo Lenore or Ambry Thomas, as high as you may think those players' ceilings are, they are still rookies. And then Dante Johnson has been a – he's not really a journeyman, but he just doesn't have the type of reps that you would want at your starting corner to have. Um, yeah, Mosley, I'm not – I think if we don't have to worry about panicking for Trent Williams, I would say the panic meter is a little bit higher when we're talking about Mosley just because, again, fresh off the reserve COVID list, 
um, hamstring strain without really testing it, I think is the best way to put it because um, they get a lot of breaks in, in practice. So it's not like they're pushing these guys to the limit. Um, hamstrings are nothing to play with. And he's a skill player. He has to run. He has to turn and run often, almost every play. So uh, not excited about that. If he has to miss time, and we should note that with releasing Josh Rosen, uh, the 49ers did claim a cornerback off of the Ravens waivers, uh, Devontae Harris. But, I mean, so he has experience. He played 112 snaps last season for Baltimore. That was included in uh, special teams as well. But he's not Emmanuel Mosley. Like, during his career, Harris has 520 defensive snaps. Mosley played more than that in 2019. So, um, so the comparison is off there. Uh, what is your panic meter? And where are we at with this? Like, where do you think? What do you think is next for Mosley? On a scale of one to ten, panic meter is probably at a seven. So any soft tissue injury is probably because Emmanuel Mosley wasn't. You know, when you went down on the reserve COVID list, you're probably not going through your regular workout regimen and all that fun stuff. And so now you're a couple weeks behind just coming into training camp, and all of a sudden you get thrown into the fire and you're playing. And next thing you know, you have a soft tissue injury. And as we know, these soft tissue injuries just tend to linger. Uh, whether it was Debo Samuel last season, it seemed like the 49ers had a bunch of those uh, type injuries. And hopefully with Emmanuel Mosley, it's not something that does because the drop-off after Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley is steep on this roster. And as you mentioned, Dante Johnson, serviceable, you know, forever 49ers legend. He's going to be on the team the rest of his life. Yeah, just being on this team forever. But talent-wise, there's a huge discrepancy between Mosley and Johnson or even Mosley and the rookies, Ambry Thomas, Diamondor, Lenoir. Um, you know, the 49ers were hoping that when they drafted those two guys, if a Mosley or if a Verrett were to get hurt, those two rookies would step in. But I don't think they're quite ready yet. Hence why, you know, Dante Johnson was lining up with the first team defense. So concerned, to say the least. Uh, it's a position we, you and I have worried about. Uh, but it seems like they're just getting hit with these injuries at critical positions, offensive line, safety, corner. Um, it's just, you know, same story, different year. I was going to say, what year are we talking about here? Because this happens every freaking year, man. Like, what do <laughs> they do? They're not doing anything different. If you were to watch them practice, they're not going like overly hard. It sounds like he's taking care of the players and still, um, I mean, it's a, it's a physical game. It like the bodies, your body is not meant to do what the football players are doing, but still, man, uh, not, this doesn't happen to every team, not to this capacity anyway. Um, do you think there's any point uh, where we get to maybe around midseason if this injury does linger or if there is an injury to the cornerback position where we see an Emmanuel Sanders type of trade for a veteran cornerback? I think it probably depends on where the 49ers are at season-wise. Like, right. you know, assuming, they're assuming they're good, right? That 2019, when they traded for him, they were, what, 8-0, 9-1, something like that, right? They were They were rolling. They knew what they were missing was some veteran presence at the receiver position. And this season, if they can replicate that, I feel like the obvious area to improve would be the cornerback spot. Um, you know, only if they didn't have 26 million sitting somewhere with one player. But eh, they could have spent that money in free agency and address the cornerback position and not just be able to retain the starters and not really improve your depth. But different story for a different day. Um, yeah, I... I don't know if I can see that just because they've given up a bunch of draft capital already, right? They've given up a first round pick next season or the next two seasons. So 
Now, what are you trading? What player is available? That player is probably going to be pricey. You're up against the cap. There's a lot of variables that go into that. And I'm not sure if the 49ers are necessarily in a financial position to be able to go do that, even if it may be necessary. So with the injury to Mosley, the health of Jason Verrett becomes that much more important. And he better stay on the field. They got to have number two out there, hopefully for 17 games, because otherwise that cornerback spot looks ugly. Yeah, so Verrett has been one of the three best players during training camp on the team. They can't afford for him to get like there's there's nothing that they could do. I do think they are, you know, because they do have a last place schedule, the 49ers will be able to outscore a bunch of teams. And if you just look at their schedule, nothing, there's no real way where you're looking at these games and saying, oh, they're not going to get 28 here. They're not going to get 30 here. They're not going to get 25 here. Uh, that So they're going to score a lot of points and I expect them to. But the reason I say midseason is because they know, and you have to expect that that's not going to last in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to outscore everyone in the playoffs. You're going to have to eventually get stops. You can't rely on your defensive line to do everything for you. And eventually you're going to have to get a stop on third down. Uh, so um, speaking of outscoring, uh, one of the big names, Jalen Hurd, had a big Thursday practice, but he hasn't played or done anything since. Um, I mean, he was rehabbing on the side. It, whenever you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, which he did on Thursday, um, after having just a few catches. And it's not like he did much. He just caught the ball a couple of times, and that was enough. Um, but he, he was rehabbing on Tuesday, on the side of Tuesday's practice. If he doesn't practice um, during against the Chargers or with the Chargers and he doesn't play, he's out of there. And I don't think that's going to be much of a surprise to anybody because if you don't play, there's no other uh, way. Are you going to say the roster, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and then the guy – the guy uh, that they drafted as his potential replacement the following year, Jawan Jennings, was someone that played particularly well on Saturday and has flashed. And Kyle Shanahan spoke pretty highly of him on Monday, um, which is unusual for a younger player to get praise like that from the head coach. But if he can stay healthy, yeah, the seventh-round pick could be the big slot receiver that Kyle Shanahan's been looking for. So Jalen Hurd, it's just, uh, time to step up. And uh, I, I get it's health-related, but... At the same time, it's a results-based business. So if you're not on the field and you're not performing, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna release you. Jennings seems like a lock at this point, just because. Um, I mean, Kyle said he plays with his hair on fire. He said other receivers can learn by his style of play, which kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like he's as close to a lock as it gets. But uh, I think that'll do it for us. We pretty much covered everything we wanted to. The only thing that we really didn't was Haha Clinton Dix was the latest signing. Um, he's been working with the second team. He's only practiced a couple of times, but he picked off Lance in one practice and he had a nice pass breakup on his second practice. And D'Amico Ryan's had high praise for him. And we're working on a story about how Clinton did. So go to UnitedNation.com and that should be posted by the time you hear this. But he has an opportunity to make a play because Tavon Wilson has been in the league since 2012, but he just doesn't have anywhere near the, the number of snap counts that uh, ha Clinton Dix does. And obviously, Talanoa Funga is an exciting rookie, but he's still a fifth day uh, rookie that was taken on the third day of the draft, and he has a substantial injury history, and that is not the case with old HCD. So um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to expect from him just because he didn't end on the strong, on the highest note, but he made it sound during his press conference that a year off would just do him well. So we will we will wait another week or so, or even during the practice to see um, how Clinton Dix is looking. But as always, we want to thank you for listening. 
wherever it is you get your podcast, please rate, subscribe, review. Um, I'm going to be on hand at these joint practice. So I'm pretty excited to see that. And we're going to have some good content coming up for you. Uh, follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? On the Twitters, follow me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Once again, appreciate you guys for listening. Stay locked in with us at Niners Nation Podcast Network, at NN Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Go subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff, and go Niners. Niners.